0: Welcome to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert and Jamie Eisner here. It is a Tuesday. It is day two of the legal tampering window for the National Football League. So the disclaimer up front, we are recording this show 11 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday morning. I don't know what's going to happen between now and the time that you hear this show. But we are going to talk about all of the things that we have in front of us that have happened since the last time that we talked last Tuesday. And Jamie, you and I in the pre-show meeting we're discussing how it was tough to keep track of everything that has happened within the last week of us doing this show. All of the, the moves, the trades, now the free agency signings that we have to discuss. So there is a lot to get into, and we have that full list for you. But it is that time of year. College basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, that line is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest, where you have a chance to take home the top. Price. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Believe. It's B L E A V. Bet online your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online, where the game starts. And I, I have a fancy segue of, Jamie, I don't know where we're going to start this show today because I don't know how far, honestly, I don't know what happened since we last talked on Tuesday. I don't know what is, you, you made a comment about a, a piece of news. that yes, was. Yes, I was terrible. literally
1: about to do this again on the podcast. It, it, it,
0: and you said that with everything that has happened, the Calvin Ridley suspension and that news felt like it was pre-pandemic. That's how Eight long ago. ago. If it you're listening to
1: this today, day this drops. The Calvin Ridley gambling stuff was eight days ago. And how much has changed? Russell Wilson is in Denver. Rogers is back in Green Bay. Uh, heck, you know, like we're, we're going to do this show and then Deshaun Watson's going to get traded right afterwards. Right. So it, it just, it's nuts. It's nuts. They're, they're, we're already through the first 23 hours right now as we talk of the free agency tampering period and almost everybody of note has signed now. On the offensive side of the ball, there's still some very prominent defensive players available. But uh, uh, for fantasy purposes, a lot of the prominent names, aside from Melvin Gordon, um, has signed. And there's some wide
0: receivers as well. But uh, it's interesting. So, okay, let's very quickly wrap up the two quarterback pieces of news from last week. Roger's staying in Green Bay, and we touched on this. Uh, I, I was still ultimately a little surprised that he ended up staying in in, in Green Bay, but we find out today there's a three year, one hundred and fifty million dollar contract, which I thought was funny because it, it came out that it was four two hundred. McAfee said, "No, I have sources that say it's not that much," and then it was like, "Okay, well, we know who his sources, so it's probably accurate." It's the same yearly average. It's just only three one fifty. It's just one less year. Yeah.
1: It just who cares? He's he's back in Green Bay. He'll be there for at least the next couple of years. That's really all we need to know. Which again is also, good news for Aaron Jones. It's good news for Devontae Adams if he plays. We'll talk about currently because
0: he's yeah doesn't um, want to play on the and maybe
1: good day. news for a rookie because right now Marquez Valdez-Scantling does not look like he's likely to go back to Green Bay. So it's you know Lazard is a I believe is a restricted free agent. You know Mario Rogers is there like so it looks like they're primed to add a, a day one or day two wide receiver to that team as well.
0: And then we will talk about the Russell Wilson trade that sees Russell Wilson go to Denver. So he joins uh, Javante Williams, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, that offense that we talked so much about really feeling like they were just a quarterback away and boy, did they get a good one. I think the piece of fantasy relevant information that is not on the Denver side is the fact that Noah Fant is going to Seattle uh, in this trade. And so somebody that you thought might get a bump from having a quarterback upgrade. No, he happens to be the casualty here in this trade and he has to go up to Seattle in which, him and Drew Lock, or whatever they do with the number nine overall pick. But
1: yeah. Uh, so my, my evaluation for Russell Wilson next year doesn't change a ton. I do expect people to overdraft him. But I think if we s- sat back and don't look at the team as a whole, because that's a different equation, but just look at the fantasy players around him as a whole, is he in a, an appreciably better offensive situation than he was in Seattle? I don't know. I would say that he's in a much better team overall team situation than he was in Seattle and a much better position to to compete for a Super Bowl than he was in Seattle. But from a fantasy standpoint, I think it's only a slight boost because, and, and to me, I, I would argue that it's maybe not even a boost at all. Like if I had to ask you right now, from a pure talent perspective, would you rather have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Uh, insert wide receiver three here that hurts Seattle and Gerald Everett or would you rather have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, and Albert O?
0: I get your point. Can I counter? Sure. I'd rather have Nathaniel Hackett call in place for me.
1: (laughs) Sure. But I also think that part of Russell Wilson's struggles these last couple years in Seattle have also been Russell Wilson's fault. Not all of it. Uh,
0: fair, Fair. Maybe not
1: even most of it. But part of it. So to me, it, it's more of, it's more of, I, I don't see him just. I feel like his fantasy value is going to sky, not maybe not skyrocket, but get significantly boosted. And I don't think that's necessarily fair. Like I, I don't think he's really going to be in any like I think his range of outcomes is about the same as they would have been in Seattle. His range of outcomes from the real-life standpoint is totally different. And this is one of those ones where I feel like this is a bigger impact overall. It's a bigger impact for me for guys like Jerry Judy and guys like Cortland Sutton, Albert Mm -hmm. O. Like Those guys get a nice little boost for me uh, because they're going to get more competent and consistent quarterback play. That excites me more. Javante Williams excites me because A, obviously Melvin Gordon looks like he's not coming back, but also the fact that they might be winning more games, which means they might be leaning on Javante Williams more late in the game and more volume. That's where I think the fantasy relevance really comes in for Denver. I don't see much of Russell Wilson's actual fantasy value in my mind changing significantly.
0: No, because there are still the questions of what the heck happened in the last two years and how much of that, to your point, how much of that is him and how much of that is the situation that he found himself in. Uh, I do want to make a bit of administrative housekeeping. The Packers are tendering uh, Alan yeah. Lazard on the second round level. Uh, so it's a one-year, $4 million offer uh, that they've put on Alan Lazard. Uh, and then, Jamie, I think if, we, if we're going to do this in order here, we should talk about the Amari Cooper trade that then happened, which yes. is going to see him go to the Cleveland Browns. They swap did they swap sixth round picks and a fifth comes back, or did they swap fifth? Yeah, round yeah. Picks I think the, the fifth round back. pick
1: is fifth round pick to Dallas, and they swap. So six. then
0: they swap sixth. I, um, I mean, barely above free, is where where um, we are here. I, I know. I know there are a lot of people. In both the fantasy community and the real life community, that question the effort that Amari Cooper brings, they question the reliability, they question where he is on the curve uh, as a wide receiver. He's—I've heard some people call him an old twenty-eight years old, just because of how, I mean how much we've seen from him That's over the course of his career. I'm here to tell you, Jamie, you know this because in the back channels of our of our TDN uh, chats with everybody, I was campaigning for my football team to draft uh, to trade for Mark Cooper. I think he still has something left in the tank. I still think he is a very, very good wide receiver. And if Baker Mayfield is the quarterback and I have to say that because they're apparently going to be meeting with Deshaun Watson today, if not, they're already doing that as we speak here. Um, that is something to keep an eye on. But I think this is an immediate upgrade for Cleveland at the wide receiver position. The byproduct of this is they now have cut Jarvis Landry. So Amari Cooper is going to be your wide receiver one there uh, in Cleveland. Don't know why Dallas decided to do this. I do know why they wanted to keep Michael Gallup and then they, and they brought back Dalton Schultz. They have those pieces that they wanted to bring together, but they clearly did not feel like Amari Cooper fit what they wanted to do moving forward. And they got what they could for him, and I think they they wanted somebody to take on that full contract. I mean, they, at any point, Cleveland can cut him over the next two seasons, and it doesn't cost him anything in the long term. It's just three years, 20, and it's $20 million a year. And if you cut him before the new league year starts, there's no dead money. You just save that cap. Uh, but I think this is a win for Cleveland, and I think Amari Cooper is going to be a guy, Jamie, as a wide receiver one in Cleveland that we're going to be talking about as a, as a top 18 fantasy wide receiver for next season. I'm still convinced of that.
1: I, I think I – well – I don't have issues with Amari Cooper from a talent level anymore. Those of you that have maybe listened to the show way back to the, the, the fan rag origin days of this podcast might know how I felt about Amari Cooper or listened to those old, Chris, remember deep the pigskin with pancakes? That's remember that, that show? You're going, you're going deep to deep cut here.
0: You're going uh, B-side deep cut.
1: Yeah, for like the three people still listening to the show from that point. Uh, I th- uh, my issue is, and it's, it's going to be the same issue, and, and I can't wait to do my projections, but it's the same issue I had with Otto Beckham Jr. last year. And two years ago, and not so much from the injury perspective, but from the, the, what is the volume of this passing offense? It's lower than average. It's significantly lower than Dallas's volume of passing. And how good is Baker Mayfield going to be? Assuming it's not Deshaun Watson, that's the quarterback in Cleveland, which I do not think so. Uh, I'm, I'm in the Deshaun Watson's going to New Orleans camp. That's where I stand as of, as of right now. But uh, I, I like Amari Cooper. I like that there's. I mean, there's really nobody else there right now aside from Donovan Peoples-Jones. Jarvis Landry got cut as well in, in all of this chaos. So I, I'd be as a wide receiver three flex. Sign me up. I don't know if I can buy in at wide receiver two right now because of the volume. I, I don't think it's anything to do with Amari Cooper's talent. I don't think it's anything to do with him being a quote unquote old twenty eight or any any of that BS. It's simply it is a low passing volume offense with a below average quarterback. And I just think you put that together, it takes a big downgrade in volume and a big downgrade at the quarterback position. It's
0: not great news for Amari Cooper's fantasy back. I would like to send my sincerest apologies to fans of Carson Wench and the Washington Commanders. I did not mention that when we talked about quarterback trades. Uh, that trade happened. Jamie, this is, I I think it's quarterback upgrade for all of the skill position players there in Washington. That's the way that I look at this. And I think the way you talked about the Russell Wilson trade, and it's not a one-to-one, but you said that the Russell Wilson trade to Denver, you feel better impacts the skill position players than it does changing your outlook on Russell Wilson as a fantasy player. I think the same the same sentiment can apply here. This doesn't change how I feel about Carson Wentz as a fantasy player, but I do think Carson Wentz is an upgrade over what they've had a quarterback over the last couple of seasons, which is an upgrade to Terry McLaurin. It's an upgrade to Antonio Gibson. It's an upgrade to that, that infrastructure that they've built there in Washington. So I like it from that perspective. I don't know what either of these two teams are doing. I don't know what Washington is doing. I don't know what Indy is doing. I'm just assuming Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starting quarterback in Indy next season. And I'm just going to wait to see the, the day that that happens. But yeah, I think this is a, is a immediate upgrade for the, the Washington skill position players.
1: Yeah. And it's look, Terry McLaurin's got an option and look, Carson Wentz is not going to be overly fantasy relevant in single quarterback leagues. And I think that's not really standing on a on much of a limb there, but it's still good news for the same reason I was a year ago saying it was good news that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going there. You got a guy that can push the ball down the field to a wide receiver that just needs targets and volume from competent quarterback play. Now, you could say competent quarterback playing Carson Wentz. I, I should clarify competent quarterback play for fantasy purposes versus real life. You're not going to get hurt overly by Carson Wentz throwing backbreaking interceptions. Late in games, you need him to get the ball to Terry McLaurin early, often, and always from a fantasy perspective. If you are a Terry McLaurin fantasy owner, whether it's in dynasty or you take him in redraft, it's really good news for Terry McLaurin. It's good news for a potential bounce back for Curtis Samuel, assuming he is healthy coming into next season. Maybe they bring in a wide receiver. I mean, our, our own Ryan Fowler has been pounding the table for a wide receiver at 11, even before the Carson Wentz trade. You know, do they bring in a Jamison Williams a Traylon Burks, uh, a Garrett Wilson, a Chris Olave, whatever it might be. It's good news for those players. Uh, and also by the way, the sneaky good news is if JD McKissick goes elsewhere, really good news for Antonio Gibson. But to me, I, I look at this whole thing and I go, all I want to see is Terry McLaurin get steady targets from not Kyle Allen, from not Taylor Heineke, from not, you know, the ghost of Doug Williams, who's I believe is still very much alive. Did you just- it, it's just I, I don't I don't want to see it. I, I, and I think in this case, we have seen receivers have some success. You look at what Michael Pittman did in the beginning of last season. Alshon Jeffrey appoints in, in Philadelphia. I, I think if Carson Wentz can lean on Terry McLaurin, we could actually see him finally manifest that true wide receiver one season we've been waiting for in the fantasy community for, it feels like, a couple of years now.
0: Uh, Doug Williams still very much alive. So I know, I know you attempted to... To say that he was I dead by referencing the ghost of, of Doug Williams, but yeah, uh, very much still with us. Um, I see what you did there, sneaking in Chris Olave's name as the as the wide receiver at eleven. I, I know what you're doing there. You want to tell the people what you're doing there? I don't you're know setting doing there. You're setting the stage there a little bit because maybe perhaps you have a little little wager on Chris Olave to be the first receiver to come off the board because you like the odds. I see what you're doing there. You're trying to put it uh, out I'm just, there, I'm just trying say, to I push there. No
1: ulterior motives whatsoever. None I don't know what I'm trying to imply.
0: Uh Jamie, Tom Brady's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> I-
1: <laughs> so much has happened in the last like five days. Um, yes, Tom Brady is coming back. Uh his retirement lasted what 40 days?
0: 40 days. Between, yes. th- between
1: 39 and 41. Everybody else had their own number. It has lasted
0: but- uh, two, like 2.2 MLB lockouts. There you go. Uh,
1: it did not last very long. Um, and I- I'd say I'm surprised, but not shocked. I I think that's kind of the level of like, I could have really foreseen him just not coming back this year, but I'm also not blown away that he did. Uh, And it puts the Buccaneers obviously in a much more win now mode. They tagged Chris Godwin. They've got Mike Evans. They brought back Carlton Davis, Uh, but Tom Brady, again, a guy that I was super high on last year, had a phenomenal season statistically, and it was phenomenal fantasy season for everybody. Uh, I don't know how he's not back in the the top half of the QB one conversation again right away, and it's excellent, excellent news for for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who will also be top fifteen wide receivers once again this year because of Tom Brady coming back.
0: I will say when 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 we, we we've, I don't know how often we've seen something like this where somebody retires and then they immediately come back. But in the case of Tom Brady, it's not like he hit, was had an average year last year. He was very good last year. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And so yes. there, he should have been the MVP. He was hashtag my MVP. There, there is a, there are a case to be made that he still has some of his best football left in the tank. This is not a Peyton Manning at the tail end of his career and his no. arm is going situation. We're not there yet. We are not there no, with Tom Brady. And, and look, eventually. Father Time wins. It's going gonna, gonna to happen at it some point. It is never lost.
1: Yeah, undefeated. Father Time does no jobs, Chris. That's uh, right. As a reference to something else. But it's at the end of the day. What reason do like? I, and I heard this last year when I had those very outlandish, but correct by the way, humble brag predictions for his his statistical projections for 2021. The only argument is that oh, he's blah 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 insert age here. But I've been literally hearing that for almost 10 years now. For Tom Brady, mm-hmm. we have no other evidence that tells us that he's any closer to being bad than that we've had at any point. He had an unbelievable MVP caliber season this year. Now, you could say the offensive line is is missing a couple of pieces. They're going to have to they're going to have two new guards, which is not insignificant. But he's got the weapons. I expect them to probably add probably in the draft, but maybe in free agency a, a wide receiver 3, add somebody else to that backfield. Uh, I'm not saying he's in as good of a situation as he was last year. He's still Tom freaking Brady, but I don't think it's significantly worse. And most and importantly, he's, he's got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin,
0: and he's still Tom Frickin' Brady. There's no yeah. signs of him not being Tom freaking Brady. Correct. Uh, okay, we are, we have now caught up with everything that led le- led into yesterday and free agency opening, or excuse me, let me legal tampering opening.
1: Let's start with By the, the way, two I don't know why backs. we keep. I don't even know why they don't
0: just. Just do away with somebody agree. Who was it? Was it Alex Kappa who agreed to a deal 42 seconds into? into well, yeah, Alex Kappa 42
1: seconds, but not even that like NFL.com was putting out Mitch Trubisky, Jersey swaps. Like we're not like I, I, we're not even pretending. And this, this, this to the point where, you know how, like in the NBA where you technically, when they trade draft picks, you're not actually allowed to trade draft picks. You have no, to they trade have, the player. They have to wear that. The so they put the on the freaking hat them. of a team it's they the never yep, are intending yep. to play. This is as stupid as that. Just. Announce them, deal. If, even if they don't want to be finalized, just, just announce that it's been officially agreed upon verbally, cannot be finalized till Wednesday or whatever. Like, just, just do that. Like Let's start with, who, who are we fooling at this point?
0: Nobody. We're fooling absolutely The league nobody. is
1: putting out jersey swaps.
0: Who are we not fooling? As, not as what good are we doing as TDN's jersey swaps, but sure.
1: No, but like, um, like if the league itself isn't going to at least pretend, then why, is, why are we doing this? Why are NFL teams having to go out and say, there are reports that we're signing this player, which is just like, why are we doing this? This is as dumb as the NBA making the team, the original team actually draft the player and put their hat on, even though they have no intention. It's stupid and we shouldn't do this anymore. Practicality should win. Randover. over.
0: Let's start with the two running backs. They came from the same place last year. They are not going to be in the same place this year. And I'm talking about Chase Edmonds and James Conner. Uh, the, the musical chairs game has stopped, and it is James Conner who finds himself with a seat for the Arizona Cardinals. He signs a three-year deal worth $21 million. We're going to talk about why people pay running back so much money here in just a second. But Chase Edmonds, he finds himself a dance partner. It's the Miami Dolphins. That's a two-year, $12.6 million contract, $6.1 million guaranteed. Uh, and listen, Jamie, I like this for Chase Edmonds and for Miami. Miami has been searching for a running game. Uh, Miles Gaskin I, I, has not lived up to what they thought he could be. And I think adding Chase Edmonds to that backfield allows them to have a real two-headed monster there, a little dual threat. Uh, and they're going to need a running game to support Tua. And Mike McDaniel coming from the Shanahan-San Francisco system, they're going to run the football. It's going to be a tenant of what they do. Uh, I like this move a lot. What I don't like is paying $7 million for James Conner, paying him after you paid him $1.75 million last year and he had a breakout season with a ton of touchdowns. He cashes in and you're the team that gives him $7 million. And it's not like the Cardinals have ever in their recent history Overpaid paid a running back? back a lot of money. It's never happened. Uh, yeah, I listen – I don't know. I mean, James Conner was very good for fantasy last year. I don't know if he can live up to that this year because that was a lot of touchdowns and he was, he was good out of the backfield, but man, I don't know where this Cardinal team's going. I have a lot of question marks and I'm just, I'm just skeptical, Jamie. That's all I'll say.
1: Yeah. I, I I'm not in love with either one. Uh, I do. like I, I like the chase Edmonds to Miami one more. I do. That's I do have at. concerns about like where, how, what role he's specifically going to play there.
0: Can I stop you? Because you, I, I'm not, not to toot my own horn, but I've been on this for a couple of years. You cannot ask Chase Evans to be a lead feature back. Can't do correct.
1: it. Correct. That would still be my biggest concern with him.
0: If you ask him to have a role, a situation, he can be very good. Now, for fantasy, that role is so undefined, and we don't know what it's going to look like in Miami, so that would be my question mark. But I have... I feel more confident in Chase Edmonds in a limited role than James Conner backing up what he did last year without any support whatsoever, if I had to compare the two.
1: Yeah, I think with Edmonds, to me, it's figuring out where he's going to play, what role he's going to play, because the Dolphins lost faith in Miles Gaskin last year, and his pass blocking went way down. Now it's a new administration. We'll see what they think, but... Is is Gaskin getting the passing down still? Is Chase Edmonds getting the passing down still? If not, who's getting the, is Duke Johnson getting the early downs? Is Salvin Ahmed getting, like, I still have some questions about Miami's backfield, but uh, I'm intrigued by Chase Edmonds there. James Conner, like, I think it's undoubtedly a bad real life contract, but I think for next year's redraft fantasy, I think it's a good spot for him because he's going to get a lot of touchdown upside, particularly because they just want to pound him inside the five. Now, touchdown regression could be a real thing, and I don't think he's going to get – what did he have
0: last year, 16
1: touchdowns on
0: the ground? i have done this before. You, I, think I you know, said eight, I always get I the think, number wrong. I think you said 18 last time, and it was 16, so we'll go with 16.
1: Okay, well, you you can look that up. But I, I I think expecting that is wishful thinking. Uh, it was but 15. I do think we he, were both wrong. 15. Go, we're both stupid. But uh, I do think double digits is still well within the realm of possibility for James Conner. Now, you still have to consider his injury history and and what he was a couple years ago towards his end of his Pittsburgh run. but It's a bad real-life contract, but I think it was probably the best landing spot for him for 2022 redraft fantasy value.
0: Okay, we're going to talk about a quarterback move that I don't really think matters for the quarterback in terms of fantasy, but I want to talk about it in terms of the rest of the team. Trubisky, two-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you think the impact is? Signs a two-year, $14 million deal. I think the intention there is to give him the opportunity to come in and compete for the starting job with Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins. I think there's going to be a very open competition there uh, for that job. So Jamie, if Trubisky is the guy who ends up getting that job there in Pittsburgh, what do you think that does for Najee Harris, for Chase Claypool, uh, for uh, Deontay Johnson, the current infrastructure that Pittsburgh has in place?
1: Yeah, it's Trubisky's job to lose. Uh, He would have to lose the starting job in my estimation, whether it by injury or just having like the worst training camp preseason of all time. Um, because they're not signing that deal if they, if they wanted Mason Rudolph or, or Dwayne Haskins to be their guy. Uh, on that front, I don't know how much Trubisky means for Najee Harris. I think it's more so Pittsburgh not having Ben Roethlisberger. It might be a detriment for Najee Harris because now they'll open up their offense a little bit more because their offense was some of the most boring, limited crock of BS I've ever seen because Roethlisberger could not get the ball more than six and a half yards down the field. Um, so to me, I, I don't know how much Trubisky's not really actually helping on that front. I just think the the change in the offense is going to basically just be, provide a more realistic volume load for Najee Harris. Like we don't, we're not going to see the same sort of volume he had last year, still a very talented player deserves to be picked high, uh, for Deontay Johnson. It's tough because he's the guy that relies so much on volume. He's an extremely high target high reception player will he have bigger plays with Trubisky? probably but will he get that same sort of volume probably not so i think it's kind of a wash there it's probably best news for chase claypool because if there was one receiver that was hurt the most by roethlisberger not being able to get the ball down the field it's a guy like chase claypool who can win in those intermediate to deep areas particularly on 50 50 balls and back shoulders Trubisky at least will get the ball down the field a little bit more so it probably helps him the most but uh, I, I don't think I would really raise, aside from him, anybody else's fantasy value because I, I think the guys that really benefited from Roethlisberger, there's going to be kind of like a give-and-take with Deontay Johnson and Pat Friermuth and Najee Harrison. There's a give-and-take that comes with, yes, you're upgrading at a quarterback, but maybe you're losing some volume in the process. So I kind of think all of those guys are valued right about the same, but I'd give the, the biggest moderate boost to Chase
0: Claypool. Christian Kirk secured the bag from the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> yeah. <Any laughs> ever. They also signed um, Zay Jones. I'm going to lump all this together here. DJ Chark goes to – and Evan Ingram. DJ Chark leaves Jacksonville. He goes to Detroit. We'll just do all of this here in one fell swoop. So
1: here's the thing. I, I, we, we heard all this talk this offseason. Evan Ingram might start playing more in the slot, but you not. You just signed Christian Kirk as well and Zay Jones. So, they signed three guys that all do the same thing. They do. So you've got a deep threat on the outside in Zay Jones. You've got a deep threat on the inside in Christian Kirk. You have Evan Ingram, who's a tight end in name only. That's really a big slot. Can I tell you still have Marvin Jones. This? You still have LaVisca Chennault. You have Travis Etienne. You have Dan Arnold. Like, they've got guys, but they've got
0: guys. Let me, let me tell a quick story here. So, the, the contract came through for Christian Kirk. And, you know, my, my roommate, my best friend known him since we were, you know, in fourth grade together. So, we've, we've been friends for a long time. He goes, Oh, they just signed Christian Kirk to be the guy that just runs down the field. Just, hey, Christian, here's a goal route, spread the defense, go down the field. Well, then they signed, and then they signed Zay Jones. And I just walked out to him and I said, They signed Zay Jones. My, like, so now they have two guys that just go down the field. And then we got the Evan Ingram news. They just have three guys that do the same thing. Like, I don't know what their offensive identity is going to be. Now, it's a different coaching staff. It's Doug Peterson. He knows how to scheme this up. And I'm sure he had a say in the direction that they went here. But Jamie this is one of those things that like I got to see it implemented on the field like I got to see what Doug Peterson's vision is before I can kind of contextualize what I think the fantasy relevance is for these guys I'll tell you one thing the guy I'm so concerned about LaVisca Chenault. That guy, I don't he's think he's going to be on the roster he is not yeah, going to be a traded. member of this, the, this team next this, season
1: this is very clearly uh, they're not going to play there uh, LaVisca going to get traded here and Look, this is interesting because you're going to have Marvin Jones as kind of your intermediate guy. You're going to have Zay Jones as you take the top off on the outside, uh, probably your Z. And then you're going to have, you know, Kirk in the slot. And I guess you're going to have to line up Evan Ingram at tight end unless you're going four wide with double slot guys. Like, I could see where this is a problematic for defenses. The problem is, is you spent a gazillion dollars to do this <laughs> and you don't ha- and you still don't have a number one receiver. I'm so Like you've got Kirk's a number two. Jones is a number two. The other Jones is maybe a number two. Like, you still don't have a number one receiver on your roster, but I, I do, From if I took the dollars and cents out of the equation and I just look at this team, I, there is some exciting elements because you also have to think about what Travis Etienne can do, with Trevor Lawrence in this offense coming mm-hmm. back off of injury and what he can do as a pass catcher and how that really opened up things for Lawrence at Clemson and how that can open things up in their short areas of the field for Jacksonville as well. Uh, and Dan Arnold's still there for if, when you run twelve personnel. So like, there's there's some really interesting pieces that they have there on offense. I just think they paid way too much money for like you said, a lot of guys with a similar skill set. And you still don't have a wide receiver one on your roster. Like you didn't spend all that money for Allen Robinson. You didn't spend all that money for Odell Beckham Jr. You didn't spend all that money for for guys of that caliber. You didn't go out and trade for Amari Cooper. You didn't do, like if you if you would have just Traded for Amari Cooper instead of doing the Christian Kirk deal. Money's about the same. Then you sign Zay Jones. Then you have Evan Ingram. Then you go, okay, you have a true X. You've got a Z. You can move Marvin Jones around. You you know, like, it it gets really interesting at that point. And and you have a true number one, and I'm way more excited about that that offer. I, I just... I don't know. Like, I I like it. I think it's putting Trevor Lawrence in a really strong position to potentially succeed, but there are a lot of guys who do a lot of the same thing, and the money is just out of whack.
0: Don't you think – we're going to get through this whole show without me having an opportunity to talk about the new tight end for the New York Jets, C.J. Uzoma. Don't you think that that wasn't going to happen? And I think that's the last big move that we could talk about here. Uh, Mo, Mo Ali Cox goes back to Indianapolis. We should also talk about DJ Chark. We'd have a chance to talk about sure. that. Sure, DJ that, Chark that well. is now going to go to Detroit. Boy, do I love the way that this Detroit wide receiver room is coming together because I think they're going to add somebody in the draft. They might get a quarterback in the draft as well. If you listen to the latest mock draft over at uh, the DraftNetwork.com, they got a quarterback going number two. I mean, there's lots of stuff in motion here. But, Jamie, I'm on Ross St. Brown and now DJ Chark. I like the way that this wide receiver room is coming together here uh, in Detroit.
1: Yeah, and look, Chark's got to stay healthy. That's been the biggest issue with him. Uh, we've seen him suffer a few multi, multi-week multi injuries. Uh, but he's an intriguing prospect. He's got a lot of speed. He can take the top off of a defense. I think he's, he's more than just a speed guy, but that's obviously his big calling card. He's absolutely something that the Lions, unlike what we just saw with Jacksonville, absolutely something the Lions did not have on their roster. He, he, he adds to a position he does not have on the roster. Chalk on the outside. You have Amon Ross, St. Brown, and TJ Hawkinson working in the middle of the field. You bring back Josh Reynolds, who I think will be a solid wide receiver three for you. Still expect them to draft a wide receiver or add somebody else. Uh, I like this a lot. Uh, I don't think it changes my valuation of Amon Ross, St. Brown. No. I think people will overreact to this. But again, this is where this conversation comes in. Don't double count things. When We've talked about Amon Ross St. Brown and like my mock, for example. I always did it assuming they were bringing in two other receivers, so don't double count this, don't double, don't give him double demerits for this. Um, and look, DG, the reality is, DJ Chark is a, what his career has, what, 1024 yards? Like they, they, didn't, they didn't bring in Devontae Adams, so uh, I, I do think this is a good move for them. I like DJ Chark going there because I think he needs to be in a place where there's volume for him because he's got skill set and he could do more with uh, on a per target basis than a lot of other receivers can do. So I'm excited about this for him. It's good for Jared Goff. And I think it's perfectly fine for Amon Ross St. Brown. They were going to add other pieces and they needed to add other pieces. And it's going to open up the middle of the field even more for Amon Ross St. Brown and Hawkinson with a player like DJ
0: Chark on the outside. CJ Uzoma, three-year, $24 million deal with the Jets. I love this for everyone. I love the
1: money. I love the fit. Uh, and I like this for fantasy as well. Yeah. Zach Wilson needs a trustworthy tight end. They absolutely need it. And to me, I'm glad. they still probably going to add a rookie in the they, draft they as well. They
0: absolutely but, are drafting a tight but end. I,
1: But I like that they got somebody that can make a year one impact for, for right now. And I think even if they brought in a McBride or an, uh, an Otten or a Dolchich or somebody like that or a Ruckert, it's still an acclimation process for the tight end position. Like It just it takes time when you play, particularly a traditional tight end position on like what Kyle Pitts was playing this year. I like that they got somebody that's going to help Zach Wilson right freaking now. And C.J. Uzoma is a very underrated player. He is really good after the catch, which is usually not something you talk about a lot with with tight ends. He's a really good yak guy. Uh, he is somebody that's going to – he's opposite, definitely a top 20 tight end going into the year, but it's somebody that's going to be in that conversation for that tight end two or, or streamable category because I, I really like this fit. Um, and I like the pieces that they brought back in New York Jets. Obviously, we've talked about it as well with um, uh, Braxton Berrios coming back. Obviously, you have Corey Davis, Elijah Moore is a stud, like they bring back Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter, like there's there's a lot of pass catching options for the Jets. They're going to probably bring add to the offensive line uh, with one of their first round picks. It looks like as well, potentially. Well, I'm not
0: so sold on that, but okay.
1: I think they will. I think they'll spend one of those one of their two first round picks on a, on an offensive tackle.
0: Lots of uh, lots of options for them after what they have done here. They got plenty uh, of options on day one. Uh, yeah, so that's that's it. Those are the big ones. Those are the big moves that we have here. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday. Uh, kind of do a bit of a debrief on everything else that happens, and then we'll transition into you know kind of taking a look at the way that these teams and their rosters uh, have shaked up for uh, next year. Jamie, where can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie
1: Eisner on Twitter and at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram.
0: You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S C H U Radio. Follow the show on Twitter at T D N Fantasy. That is going to do it for us here. Enjoy the rest of the free agency frenzy. We will talk to you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.